Circuit Cast with your host, Mark Amory. Radio Kyoto Koto listeners, I'm Mark Amory and welcome to Circuit Cast, a conversation about moving image and art from Aotearoa and beyond. This month in the pod, we talk to legendary intermediate artist Phil Dadson as he prepares an extended version of his video based interactive work, Body Top Quintet, for Christchurch Public Art Festival Scape. And we finally cajole circuit director Mark Williams to get behind the mic. Don't be scared now, Mark. Catching up on Circuit's recent Moving Image Artist Symposium. But first, as they say in the America's Cup, down to the business end of the course and our critical panel. The part of Circuit Cast where we have a no-holds-barred consideration of an exhibition. This month it's a single work, Mexican-based Belgium artist Francis Ali's work Real Unreal. Commissioned for this year's documentary in Europe as an off-site project, it recently had its Australasian gallery premiere at Adam Art Gallery here in Wellington, but it can be viewed and downloaded from Elisa's website. And to discuss Real Unreal, we're welcoming to the pod for the very first time artist Bronwyn Holloway-Smith and critic and academic Martin Patrick. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How's <laughs> academic as a badge for you, Martin? Is that all right? Um, uh, well, I'm a lecturer at Massey University, so I would say that fits. All right, it's pretty and, academic. Yeah. And Bronwyn, um, is this your first podcast? I know you're pretty good on the old, in the yeah, digital I've, realm. but I've done a bit of radio, but I yeah, I can't recall doing a oh, well, podcast. Well, welcome to the pod. Hey, now, in brief, Real Unreal is a collaborative work by Francis Elise with Afghani um, architect Ashmal Mawandi and cinematographer Julian DeVoe. It follows almost skateboard video styles, you could say, a group of children spinning by hand film reels along the streets of Kabul in Afghanistan while army helicopters survey the city overhead. And as they chase the running reels through the alleyways, across bridges, through marketplaces, you could... You could say these kids seem to be almost rubbing the city into film, or sort of mapping their own public space. That's the way I see it. Martin, I think, starting with you, I understand you, you've written about Elisa's work in uh, relation to photography before. I, I wondered what you thought of this work. Um, well, I think it was a really um, outstanding opportunity, particularly for New Zealand audiences, to see this work. Um, it was originally commissioned in 2011, and uh, it's important to note it was part of the Documenta exhibitions in, in Germany, but it was exhibited uh, or shown, screened in a bombed cinema in Kabul. So that would, that would in its original iteration. So that's one thing to think about the context of the work and also that the work about, uh, as you mentioned, involves children playing a kind of um, uh, transposition of a children's game and he's been working on uh, short films or short videos recording children's games such as hitting a pinata or uh, playing musical chairs and yeah. things like that since 1999 so yeah. there's a bit of background context. Yeah the context is pretty interesting now um, it's been at the Adam Art Gallery but I think Bronwyn you've you've looked at it online rather than the, in the gallery which is an, another context it's kind of interesting this work has premiered in a, in a cinema in Kabul, but it's now available online. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's got this kind of other presence outside the kind of typical gallery sphere, which I find quite interesting. And I, I was asking myself some questions about whether I should make the effort to go and see it at the Adam or whether I should settle with just watching it on a yeah. Monday night at home. And, and I thought, you know, it'd be interesting just to test that situation where I can just go and watch it online. You know, what does it mean for the gallery context? What does it mean for um, exhibition? And how does it operate differently on the internet as opposed to 
seeing it in a in a public space. Well, let's talk about it a little bit because I, I know you, you you're um, you're a bit of a Creative Commons advocate, or you're interested in this area. And this is not only a, a video that can be viewed online; it can actually indeed be downloaded. I think so. You can actually possess it, and this in the reflection of this work is interesting because um, it seems Martin, this work was inspired somewhat by. Uh, um, the relationship to uh, the Taliban, to, to, the, to the film archive? Yeah, well, um, uh, one of the, uh, in the closing credits of, of the film or the video, which lasts 20 minutes approximately there, uh, it mentions that one of the inspirations was the fact that it purportedly in early September 2001, I believe, the Taliban had burned some... Um, uh, had burned films from the Afghan film archive and then it notes that they were actually prints rather than negatives so in a sense they weren't irre irrevocably lost but it was uh, uh, and then that the burning of these films it's very hard to burn films actually it took <laughs> days and days and uh, but this is sort of a um, for me I found it a little bit of a um, a device certainly to probably build a certain kind of interest in the context uh, and maybe was the inspiration for the work and, and Alice always plays with notions between uh, what might be considered political uh, and what might be considered political slash activism and what might be considered aestheticized or poetic and so I think in the, the work plays on those things and actually has children playing and so this is ah, uh, this okay. is a very interesting um, thing but for me I, I actually that that noting about the Taliban, it, it didn't sort of um, add or detract from my um, uh, it, probably pretty extreme enjoyment of the, of the I work. I don't know. I, I think it adds something because I think what I love about this this film is that the sense that the, the, the children in this film uh, are owning their public space and finding ways to, to own it and, and take it over in a sense to document it. And um, this idea also that this was a public commission or a commission from Documenta. It raised really interesting questions as to mm -hmm. what is is the what is the public space for video art that's commissioned? What is the public gallery space? Surely it should be able to be enjoyed and disseminated and shared as much as possible. It, it is being commissioned in some form from public funds. It's it's how do we why should we put limits on that versus work that is created for a con consumer market or a you know, uh, and it's interesting to see. I think that he has work that is, you know, sold by dealers and and work that is is yeah, available for I, download. I really see that, and I when I heard that it was a Creative Commons work, I got quite excited because I'm a little bit of a copyright geek at times. And I actually it raised a few questions for me. I actually went to his website, and it's it's bizarre because he uses a Creative Commons symbol, but it doesn't actually appear to be. Creative Commons license. I was interested. With, it's yeah, really confusing because okay. I, I mean, this work. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. It's kind of raised a whole lot of questions for me, and I've actually done a bit of research about Kabul and Afghanistan and whether they have copyright there, which it appears they don't. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because he says that it's first. He says that it's a public domain video. Right. Um, and the public domain is something that's quite clearly defined in copyright law as something that does not have copyright protection. There might be moral rights where. You know, you have to be attributed for work you've mm -hmm. done, but you can't stop people exhibiting it for commercial or non-commercial reasons. You can't stop people remixing it, using it for whatever reason, making copies. So 
First he states it's public domain, but then he goes on to say that um, the videos can be downloaded and shared with others as long as the authorship is credited and there is a link back to the website of the author. These videos cannot be altered in any way or used for commercial purposes, displayed or exhibited without the consent of the artist. So, so it's that kind of turns it, it, kind it, of turns it on his head <laughs> and he doesn't link to Creative Commons, which yeah. with online works you're supposed to do that. And there's a very specific kind of crediting um, system for Creative Commons work. So well, it does feel like almost like there is a conceptual point to all of that, but as you're, you're noting that there's, there's some ironies to it. I mean, I think maybe if we could move along a little into other points about the work. I'm, mm. One of the things I often find is I often am interested in the, the lack of exploration by artists here in New Zealand of the technical possibilities of filmmaking. And I guess one of the interesting things about this as a work of art is just how much it plays with that and um, is a collaboration with a cinematographer. Um, I, I kind of wonder whether you know we're seeing more and more of this kind of work, whether we're seeing the uh, signals of the demise of the sort of one-person handheld approach. I was kind of wondering if you guys had any feeling about the actual... I mean, it's, a, it's an extremely sophisticated making, work of filmmaking in terms of editing and cinematography. Yeah. Well, I think this has been going on for many years in the sense that if you look at the history of video art um, uh, and back to, say, the first iterations of that when artists were working with uh, hand-me-down technology from television studios in the early 70s or something, there was also the notion with the port-a-pack technology, which was not very portable at that time, to, uh, to do kind of guerrilla version of image making that was in uh, counterpoint or actually in direct uh, sort of antithetical to broadcast television. Yes. And then the irony is actually many, many years later, uh, by the 1990s and so forth, you have some well-known video practitioners such as uh, Doug Aitken in the United States who um, is uh, who trained as a, a video maker for MTV and things like that. So hadn't had a commercial really you know sophisticated background uh, in relation that didn't come out of the sort of art world or this idea of sort of guerrilla uh, filmmaking or something. So. Yeah I wonder because this is really a, essentially this is a performance as a lot of his works are it is a, in a mm -hmm. sense a very sophisticated filming of a performance that's that goes on in action and that filming conveys so much of the uh, of that performance as well. That yeah I mean I, I kind of wonder a little bit who the audience is for this video and I, watching it and being an artist I just started to think you know how would you pull something like this together Kabul Afghanistan you know it's a, one of the most dangerous countries in the world it's got this huge history of unrest and um, conflict and huge refugee population and I mean I, I note that it's quite interesting that this was screening at the same time that Murdoch Stevens refugee exhibit at Partaka was on as um, of his collected photographs of Afghanistan uh, Af Afghan refugees um, and that that process of working with the community to uh, produce this performance if it is a performance and what how did he mediate that how did he mm. kind of get people on board um, what measures were taken to you know, protect the filming process from people who might want to restrict it. Yeah, How well, it all I, I, came about. I'm interested in something you're touching on there, which is the kind of stagey nature of it to a degree. There's all sorts of things going on there, little fires that might reference that 
uh, mm-hmm. Taliban situation, although it may just mm-hmm. be accidental. There's a point where the, 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 the race almost stops because a herd of goat go through. Mm. And there's something you're almost kind of going, how much did he want that mm. for the pace of the film? Okay. Or there's those lovely shots of celluloid wrapping themselves around uh, pipes or whatever. There's a kind of a sense of it being very carefully choreographed. Well, in relation mm. to the kind of trajectory that goes on in this work, it might be interesting to think um, back to there, there was a uh, one of... Uh, Ali's early pieces, and he's made paintings as well as video art, sculpture, installations, all sorts of work. But uh, an early piece of his was called The Leak, in which he um, uh, walked dripping a line of paint from, from a can and um, yes. as a sort of gesture, and a poetic gesture. And then a f- several years later, he did a reenactment of that gesture, but in a very politically charged um, uh, arena uh, walking through Jerusalem and and um, reenacting a earlier political po- heavily politicized and controversial border uh, drawn line drawn in the city many years before and so and then part of the framework of that piece was discussing the ramifications of the work with a variety of different scholars and uh, activists and and in one case an art critic so in that uh, film that's often referred to as the green line, there's a similar kind of, it's Alice the artist himself walking through a very crowded um, uh, Near Eastern urban environment. But, uh, and I thought about that a lot as, as an echo when I was looking at the um, a real unreal, the piece we've been discussing. Well, you're listening to Circuit Cast, and we now move right on in to part two. And for me, Francis Ali's Real Unreal has many of the elements that mark out the work of Phil Dadson. Dadson's been a figure across artistic media in New Zealand since the early 70s, and today he keeps up a very impressive practice, tapping into the rhythmic, melodic, and visual pulse lines of the human body and the land. His work is, in my words, full of the kinetic wit and whoop of the world. And today, Phil is on the line from Christchurch, where he's assembling a new version of a work he has been touring, Body Talk Quintet. Kia ora, Phil. Kia ora. Nice to talk to you, Mark. Yeah, how's the install going? Uh, I would, about, uh, about two-thirds of the way there, so it's, yeah, and it's going pretty smooth, and it's in a um, completely new art space, you know, like a, it's called the Art Cube, uh-huh. called it's the Art Box, and um, yeah, no, it's nice. It's one of those spaces that from the outside looks uh, kind of uh, rather claustrophobic and small, but when you go in, it's surprisingly light and, uh, uh, and spacious. It's nice. And have you got a large space for Body Talk Quartet? It's quite nice. It's, um, it's the quintet version, so it's got five screens, ah. and um, it's, it's, large enough to, it's large enough to kind of you know, cater for a, for a small, smallish audience. But uh, for people, you know, definitely to get in there and interact with it and kind of have a bit of fun with the screens, yeah. Well, well tell us a little bit about the work, Phil, for those who haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's called Body Talk Quintet, the Human Instrument Archive, and it's uh, basically the kind of idiosyncratic and unique sounds, um, often quirky and uh, humorous, a little bit surprising often, but awesome occasionally, uh, that humans can make with their bodies only. So it's uh, just purely a body-only sound. Yeah, yeah, yep, just those kind of... <coughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And um, often sort of sounds that, you know, we often learn as, as uh, quirks or tricks as, you know, when we're kids. You got any often, favorites yourself? Um, yeah, I can. Uh, this, well, yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of whistles. I won't do. Okay. There are some very strange ones in body yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, sure. there are. Yeah, there's some quirky things that come <laughs> up. It's amazing. It's. I mean, it's, it continues to surprise me, which is nice. Yeah. And now, I mean, your work has um, always, I guess, looked in some ways to create space for participation and performance with it. And, and with this work, the, the technology, the new technology is allowing people to interact with the video work in the gallery. Um, yeah, well, this is, it includes an interactive uh, component and with a bit of software design by uh, James Charlton, who's a, also an artist and um, new media practitioner, you know, based in Auckland at, uh, at CoLab at um, AUT Uni. And so James and I have collaborated with the, on this, basically with him designing the um, the, the patch uh, with Max MSP. It's just not, it's not software I'm familiar with, no, and um, no. so he's 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 designed that, and it's it's just very smart, very simple. I was I wanted something that was just would just basically trigger when you stood in front of it and slow down when you walk away behind it. So, so the the work starts moving. Uh, it goes from very very slow to sort of winding up. It's like almost a wind up mechanism. Yeah, yeah? that's right. Because it's it's uh, the idea was that when you when you view the the five screens as you can in this show um, from a, a viewer position, a vantage point, you can see the whole screens, whole five without interacting anything. If you're the only one in the space, and they just click over at one frame a second, so it looks like a portrait gallery kind of feel, you know, to it. And the screens on the wall in this space look really pretty smart they what, what do you want the um, you. the viewer to feel from that I mean are they you're almost asking them to dance or to um, I want no. I want them to kind of uh, I guess view the space with the intrigue that when you enter it you know something's going to happen oh. and you're not quite sure what so you as soon as you walk in I mean the screens just kind of liven up and play to you with sound and image and as long as you stand in front of any one screen it performs to you you know there's about mm. 12 performances on each computer that's running the each screen uh, and yeah, and so they're, they're kind of varied, and because they're kind of they've got a nice, bright, colourful kind of aspect to them, the whole feel, the whole feel in the space is very kind of full of zest. You know, yeah, no, it's, nice. it's a great work. I saw it at Particle and Porirua, and I, I know it's toured a bit. Um, this technology, Phil, I guess, is in its infancy. I mean, is this sort of the sort of thing you you keen to keep trying this kind of uh, <laughs> new, new technology with your work? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, this is my first. Um, my, my first play was interactivity, and I mean I've always been a bit wary of interactive work because I, I, you know, sometimes I, I just feel like the interactive nature of it takes over and it, it feels too much like a um, like a game you have ah, to play. Yes. Yes. And I just really wanted this to be almost um, inconspicuous, you know, so that it's just something that happens. These things just perform to you at speed, and you're aware, you're aware after a while that you you know you have that power to kind of make it make it slow down or speed up so that's quite quite a nice uh, viewer a viewer kind of p uh, empowering thing once you once uh, once a kind of anyone activating the space realizes that yes I've, they can I've, kind I've, of set the all in motion if they wish or play with the screens you know one at a time yeah i know i think it works really well i've noticed um uh, there's been a few of these works, and Colab's often been involved in the last year or two. There seem to be more coming. Yeah, there are more coming around. out now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hey, now in terms of video and its uh, development, um, yeah. Obviously, you were an early pioneer of video in New Zealand, and um, 
I understand at the recent circuit, circuit symposium, you talked about actually really liking the aesthetic feel of, of video, and that's not something we necessarily hear often. Um, no. Well, it's, I mean, that was what attracted me to video in the first place, was the physicality of the medium. It's just something that's, um, you know, I mean, film, film is incredibly seductive, and, and, you know, your best experience mm. of film is in a, is in a, and is in a dark box. Video is, is as it was when it was first, um, you know, it first came on the scene, was very granular and very physical, had a very sculptural sort of feel about it. Yes. It was also a daylight experience thing, you know. So you could create imagery in spaces that, um, you know, that just had an immediacy, that had a, a tactile physicality about it, that, you know, just uh, had a visceral feel about it. That's what, that's what really attracted me. And I suppose, I mean, to call what I do video now is a bit, bit of a misnomer. I mean, we're actually really talking about um, digital moving image. You know, I, I kind of liked, like, would like to think of it now as, um, you know, as digital video is really just digital moving imagery. Yes, yes. I, 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 find, I find the term still quite confusing these yeah, days. Yeah, it's a little bit of anachronism now. <laughs> I mean, things are just moving so fast. But, you know, it's still commonly called video, but um, it really, it's, it's really moved on from that. Well, at the same time, I mean, I was thinking about your work um, and looking at some of the, the, the video online, and there is almost a sense that you kind of rub off or sound off the surface of the world with your work, and that there is this kind of tactility often to it. Um, and I, I, w I was wondering what, with, with sort of high definition digital, w you know, what the possibilities you, you find, have found for, for your uh, practice. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I had I had an opportunity recently when I, I went to I uh, went to over to Chile in in May, and uh, Sony very kindly loaned me. I mean, they've been great supporters of uh, some of the work I've been doing. So, they offered to loan me some new, um, you know, latest some of their latest uh, handycam gear with the exchangeable lenses and so on. You know, so it's really kind of high end, nineteen twenty by ten eighty digital digital imagery. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I just loved it. To be honest, I just, <laughs> <laughs> so you're not completely old school. You're, you know, you're. Yeah, into yeah, it, yeah. No, I'm happy to move between those. Actually, I'm. You know, I think so much depends on, on, on the context of what you, of where you want to put it, and how you want to place, the, you know, the the moving image and the audio content of what you're doing. Yeah. And um, I, I, yeah, no, there's definitely a place for me. I kind of, I find with the with the high the high end definition, that's great. Have, have you noticed any danger though? That you, you speak of that relationship with Sony. Do you, do you notice any danger of sort of almost becoming a, artists becoming show ponies for um, no, you know, companies with a lot of money and want to show off their technology? Um, look, they have absolutely no uh, no control and. I, 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 I hesitate to say no interest, but I mean no um, <laughs> no of course. no follow up. Yes, to be honest, yes, I mean yes. they're they're incredibly supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm just looking. I was when I was looking at the last Auckland Triennial, there was an awful lot of moving image True. work. <laughs> A lot of it seems much closer to the world of film now, increasingly. You know, yes, we're seeing from true. overseas use of narrative, big crews, cinematography, yes. all these kind of things. Yeah, and we were yeah. just talking about a Francis Ali's work in this regard. Um, yes. it, it seems a, it's a long way from those early days with it video. It is a long work. way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find it a long way from my practice, too, because it's, um, you know, I'm still, I, I guess I, 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 I still have, you know, a strong. Uh, belief and feeling, you know, for for the uh, the soul, the soul kind of uh, 
um, you know, kind of filmmaker or video video artist kind of out in the field just, you know, with the gear, producing work that's uh, not reliant on, on big crew or big big kind of dollar backups. Yes. Well, hopefully there's room for both. Now, yeah, yeah, of course. Hey, now finally you... Well, you, there is. <laughs> you, yes, there is. Uh, we'll say definitely, underline is. Um, you attended all three days of this recent circuit symposium. I, did. I, I just was quite interested as an artist what the highlights for you were as someone who's been to probably a fair few of these over the years. Well, no, I actually, actually I haven't because ah. there's very few forums for, um, you know, for video artists. Right. Or for artists, you know, just solely invo- involved with um, digital moving image and audio. Yeah. It's, um, I, I mean, I was really heartened by, by what Mark put together, for, firstly for bringing the community together, and it was a great opportunity just for people to meet each other in that context. Um, I, thought the, I thought the workshop or the talk shop on the, on the Saturday uh, at, at uh, Audio Foundation was um, had a very positive aspect from, from that alone, really, just from any, everyone being able to basically say who they were and what their interests were and what they were there for. Ah, so a bit of a meet and a greet and so forth. Yeah, and it just really, in a way, put, it, put everybody's interests um, on the table, you know, from the outset. Well, that was, that was good. I think the way it proceeded was slightly problematic in that, um, you know, there could have been more voice opportunity for each individual, um, it maintained a kind of a, a, a kind of round a round table involvement with everybody there, and it's sometimes you know a little difficult for those who are less confident to feel they have a voice in that sort of context. But I think uh, for everyone involved, it was it was positive and it was a great first. Oh, excellent! It was great to get the feedback. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us, Phil, and best of luck with the work in Christchurch. I think. It's, hey, thank you. It's going to be on Beyondscape, is it not? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's just been. Um, been booked by Christchurch Art, Art Gallery to go to continue on through the summer season, and that will include the footage I shoot with local contributors. I hope so. Providing I get some good good local input, you know, it'll spark up, you know, spark up the uh, the, the content with uh, some local. Yeah. Great, Phil. Thanks very much. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you. Okay. Bye. Well, you're listening to Circuit Cast, views, voices and debate on artists moving image and in part three of our show we usually phone a friend somewhere else on the planet but this month we stay close to home. In fact so close we stay at home. Given Circuit has had its first symposium on artists moving image and there's a pile of activities coming out of it we've decided to put the phone down and ask Circuit Director Mark Williams to step into his own pod. This is what he sounds like. Hello Mark. Hello Mark. Welcome. Now, <laughs> it's nice to be here. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Welcome home. The symposium was entitled "Looking Back into the Future." Mm-hmm. How was it? It was great. I mean, it was a really good meeting point for everybody. Basically, people right. came from Auckland, obviously where it was, but there were also people there from Christchurch and Wellington, and um, people just really enjoyed being completely immersed in, in the whole event. Okay, uh, you were saying it was quite cross-generational, lots of, lots of ages, lots of experiences, which is something Phil Dadson seemed to be saying to me before as well. Yeah, that was fantastic. One of the events we had was an artist workshop, and um, 
It was heavily subscribed. I mean, we had to turn away about a dozen people. And even then, we had 25 people in the room, which was... You turn people away? That's not very fair, is it, Mark? Oh, it's a rough old world, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but even at 25, you know, it's, um, it's difficult to find room for everybody to talk. But um, amongst at 25, yeah, absolutely cross-generational, emerging artist, established artist. So I think a big signal that these kind of meetings are really valuable and sought after. What are the sort of issues that are coming up for, for artists that they're raising? All kinds of things. I mean, in a sense, you could tell that this meeting hadn't happened for a long time because it did in some ways turn into a bit of a therapy session. <laughs> I mean, people <laughs> talked about everything from uh, funding to what it means to put their work online. And the basis of the workshop was a text by Seth Price called Dispersion, which talks about this notion of works needing to circulate, to distribute, to be known about. Uh, if they're held really close, uh, if they remain unseen, they might be in collections or whatever, but their economic value and their cultural value isn't necessarily being realised as much as it could be. So things need to circulate, and of course when you have like uh, paintings, you can have books that reproduce images of paintings. What the circuit website does is, is in effect give you a kind of um, analogy to that with video. But there's some issues for artists with that. Are they still having trouble with this kind of notion of almost, I guess, giving their work away for free when they're trying to sell it? I don't think artists are having any issues with it whatsoever. Artists are fine about it. Artists relish the fact that people can see what they do. And I think artists are very clear about the fact that they have an installation practice that goes along with these works. Uh, you had international speakers there. Um, who were they and what did they bring to this kind of conversation? I think basically they, uh, Ben from Lux, brought this notion in that there is a role that distributors like Circuit play, which is basically helping to put this work in the public eye, create discussion about it, and be almost an intermediary, if you like, between the artist and the dealer and the public. Circuit's role, I think, is to distribute works, ideas, and opportunities, and that's what Lux has done. And now it has a place in the British ecosystem where, say, dealers will go to Lux and say, you know, can you distribute work by our artists? Okay, so you keep a circuit, you get a circuit going as it were, yeah. Who else came? Well, we had uh, Dr. May Edadol Ingawanich from the Bangkok Experimental Film Festival. She showed a really great screening program of experimental work from throughout Asia that she put together. Really interesting stuff, all driven by political concerns. Um, you know, coming from countries where you can't always say okay. out loud we, what you Maybe what you mean. <laughs> we have to be a little bit careful. But some people were interested in this notion of experimental film and what it might mean today. And you know, for her, it meant daring to voice something that was alternative to the official narratives that come out of a lot of these places. Right. Is there room for New Zealand for an experimental film festival? I mean, I know there's various channels. Um, myself, I'm a little bit wary of the term experimental film in New Zealand. Um, I think it's become people see it as a kind of a genre, if you like. Sometimes people will say, I've made an experimental film. <laughs> I've made an experimental artwork, yeah, yeah. right. That's not really the point. Um, the point is the ideas, really. Yeah. Okay, well, let's importantly talk just before we finish about next steps that are coming out of the symposium for you guys. I know you've got um, uh, a new program called The Artist as Curator. Maybe you could kick off by talking about that. Yes, very excited about this. Um, Circuit doesn't just want to exist uh, uh, in cyberspace or have these once-a-year events. We want to, um, you know, be kind of leading the discourse, if you like, and generating new work and new projects, new discussions, and make it more of a regular thing. 
So we're uh, asking submissions for submissions from artists for uh, exhibition proposals, screening proposals, something that takes place in real space, real time. Um, and you know, we're very looking forward, to, very much looking forward to to getting the artists generating those works and helping distribute them around the country and elsewhere. Okay, why is it important for it to be sort of in the gallery and, and sort of real time and space? I mean, with all these film festivals and so forth online and everything, is you know, what, what's the strength there? Well, I think it's that, that installation practice that comes to bear on these works, really. It's the sculptural nature of it. It's thinking about the relationship between the work and the people who are coming to visit. It's thinking about where the work is placed um, and oh. what kind of context it gains agency. Right, so there is an opportunity for the way that moving image is working in a physical space, I see, yeah. Uh, what else? I hear you've got some kind of artist group that's carrying on now at Artspace. That's right, yeah, we're going to set up a monthly meeting of artists at Artspace, the Circuit Critical Forum. And it's basically not so much intended as a kind of crit session where you show work, but one where you present ideas you're interested in and that generates discussion. Um, maybe it's prompted by a text or a video. And um, over time, I'm really interested in, to see what happens with the group. It's specifically targeted at people who are professionals who are not involved in uh, tertiary institutions. So it's, it's providing, if you like, some sort of um, meeting points, some support structures for those people. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Mark. That was your day in the sun this month here on the podcast. Thanks to Mark Williams, Director of Circuit. And that completes Circuit Cast for the month. A monthly podcast of views, voices and debate on artists moving image and the visual arts in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Circuit Cast has been produced by circuit.org.nz with the assistance of Creative New Zealand with music in here by Orchestra of Spheres. 